Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Here's what we're doing. We're talking about Samson. And uh, Samson, in case you're unaware of who Samson was, Samson was somebody that God set apart from birth, even before he was born, to do a work for him. He had a purpose and a plan for Samson. And he told his parents, hey, I'm going to use him to take out the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were his enemies at the time, or the enemies of Israel. And so God said, I'm going to send you a son. He's going to have supernatural strength, and he's going to take care of the Philistines. And so his parents said, okay, what do we have to do? He says, he's going to take a Nazarite vow, which means he wouldn't cut his hair, he wouldn't drink alcohol, and he wouldn't touch anything dead. This is the vow that every Nazarite took. And so Samson lived this way his whole life, and God blessed him with supernatural power. Samson defeated thousands of men all at once, just by himself. And so this is a guy who had lots of strength. We'll talk through more of his, the work that he did, but, but he was a strong man. Our first week, as we looked at this, we looked at how strong men become weak. And it's important that as we look through Samson's story, we realize that though he was strong externally, though he was a mighty man of power and he had so much potential, he was weak internally. And so we looked at how the the enemy likes to make strong men weak. And he does this through three attitudes, three posturings. The I want it attitude, the I deserve it attitude, and the I can handle it. This, of course, is lust, this is entitlement, and this is pride. Samson wanted a Philistine wife, and so he went and, and tried to marry a Philistine wife, saying, I, des- I want this. He lusted after her. He wanted it. And then, of course, he drew honey out of the dead carcass of the lion, and he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead, but he said, I deserve this, and so he took it. And then he wasn't supposed to drink alcohol, and he threw himself a kegger party at his marriage, and he says, I can handle this. And these, these attitudes are what Satan uses to make strong men weak. And our enemy loves to do that. He loves to make strong men weak, but God loves to make weak men strong. Amen? And so that's what we looked at week one. And week two, we looked at how Samson was letting himself get in trouble by being emotion-led and not spirit-led. He was letting the emotions of anger and the insecurities he felt from pride drive him instead of letting the Holy Spirit lead him. And what happens when your pride leads your life is that you feel like you're the main character of the story. And Samson and said, I have done this, and I have done that. He declared he was the source of, of all of these great things. And when we do that, when we, when we realize or we try to be the main character in our story, that's pride, and pride leads us to ruin. The Bible says it this way, that pride comes before a fall. And so Samson, of course, winds up in a, in a very desolate place. And in desperation, he called out to God, and his greatest need, God answered him. Of course, and what the lesson for the day was is that, man, it's your greatest need. If you will confess your greatest and deepest need to God, he'll meet that deepest need. So here's where we left off last week. Samson has just killed a thousand men, and he's out in the middle of the wilderness, and he's thirsty. He's like, God, you know what? You're the one who did all this. He turns back to him. He kind of refocuses and makes God the center of attention again. He says, you're the one who did all this anyway, 
Let me focus on you, and please don't let me die while I'm out here. And God, God does this. It says in, in verse, uh, Judges 15, verse 19, it says, Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. And when Samson's strength, or excuse me, when Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. And Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, this is the first good report we've gotten of Samson in some time, right? Here he is. He's just killed a 1,000 Philistines, and he was bragging about how he had this great slaughter. And then he winds up in the desert. He repents. He returns back to God. His strength is recovered, and he is revived, and he gets right back on the right track, right? And if if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it here because this one verse, this one verse summarizes 20 years, 20 years. It's kind of like, if you ever watch SpongeBob SquarePants, they go, three hours later, right? That's this one here. It's like, 20 years later, right? There's this little phrase. It's Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. 20 years, this guy is living right. 20 years of peace and prosperity for Israel as Samson rules. It seems like he's left his troubles behind him. It seems like Samson has left the, the, his weakness is behind and is totally focusing on God. He's doing what he needs to do. It's, 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 it's good. But by the end of today's study, you're going to see that Samson returns to making poor choices. And he ends up with his eyes gouged out, his hands bound, and he's the laughingstock of his community. So how did he go from so much strength and potential to being a sideshow freak with his life in ruin? Well, there's a couple ways that Samson did it, but let me say this. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. Samson ruined his life the same way that men do it today, one step at a time. Samson has 20 good years behind him, 20 years of leading, but look at what the verse says. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. 20 good years, but one day. It's one day that men start making bad choices that ends them up in ruin. It's one day. That same phrase was used in the verse that talks about King David. Do you know who King David was? A man after God's own heart. The, The greatest king of Israel. He's in the lineage of Jesus himself. King David. And King David... The verse says about him, and one day he was walking on his roof at a time when kings should have been going to war. And David looks across the city and sees a woman bathing. He looks through a window and sees a woman bathing. And he takes her and he sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. And to cover it up, he kills her her husband. One day. One day changes everything. One day, men make bad decisions, and it leads them down a path to ruin. Verse continues on in chapter 16. It says, he went in to spend the night with her, and the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we will kill him. So they find out Samson's there. And they're like, look, we're going to get him at dawn. We're going to hang out right here, and we're going to kill him when he comes out. And why is this information important? Let me tell you why. Because Gaza was the Philistine headquarters. Samson had marched himself into 
where all the leaders of the Philistines were found, in Gaza. Samson's public enemy number one. And he's not on his own turf after 20 years of leading Israel. Where is he? He's on enemy turf. And not only is he on enemy turf, but he's doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. He's found himself a prostitute. The other thing is, is is that when you look at a map, Gaza is 25 miles away from his home in Zorah. Samson had to walk 25 miles. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like anything I want to do. I wouldn't even want to ride a donkey for 25 miles. Anybody ever tried to walk a mile before? How many of you crazy people have done like a 5K? Like you've run three miles. How many of you have done like a marathon or a half marathon? Y'all some crazy people out there. Crazy. This guy did 25 miles to get to the enemy's territory. Now let me ask you something. Who would be so stupid as to do so much for a quick little experience? Men do it all the time. We do. We do do all kinds of things. We have good marriages. We have good jobs. We have integrity, great relationships with our kids, and we risk it all for a moment of pleasure. We're not really smart. (laughs) I see you. Now, because I only work one day a week, sometimes maybe two, I have the opportunity to take a break from watching my Bible float and hover above my desk to ask questions like this. How many steps are in 25 miles? How many steps would it take? The answer is 56,250 of these steps. This is how many steps Samson took to get from Zora to Gaza. He had this many steps, 56,250 of them, to realize, this is stupid. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm going to turn around and go the other way. 56,250 of them. And he didn't. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know very many men who have a goal of getting to a destination that that bears destruction, right? Like, I don't know many guys who say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to mess my life up today. I'm going to ruin everything. Like, you know what? That sexual addiction stuff, that pornography addiction stuff, I've heard that's pretty awesome. So what I'm going to do, because it sounds great to me to only be able to objectify women and not be able to engage, them, engage my, my wife like I should, it sounds great to me that I, sh- I should want to have to look at pornographic images and, or, or my mind just goes crazy. It sounds perfect to me. That's what I want. And yet... No guy ever says that, and yet so many guys are sitting at their computers and they see an ad come up and they click on it. Oh, they see another ad come up and they click. They see a picture come up and they click. They see a video come up and they click. And next thing you know, the click, 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 click. They've ended up in destruction. See, it didn't happen all at once. It happened one step at a time. Other guys, no guy I've ever met says, you know what, I would like to be in financial ruin. I would like to be so embarrassed by my financial state that I would not be able to look my family members in the face. 
No guy ever says, I think it would be awesome to stand in a courtroom and look at a judge, man to man, eye to eye, and say, I can't pay back my bills. Nobody ever sets out to do that. And yet, we make decisions. Well, I got to have this boat because my buddy's got this boat. I got to have that car because the honeys won't like me unless I've got this car. I got to gamble. I got to party. Got to have new golf clubs. Got to have the nicest clothes. Can't shop at Kmart or Walmart. I got to have Burberry. Does anybody wear Burberry anymore? Dolce and Gabbana. Got to have all the nice stuff. And they wind up in financial ruin. Other guys, I, I don't know anybody. I've never met a single guy who says, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to have an affair. I would like to have an affair because I would love for the woman that I committed my life to to not want to speak to me. I would love for her to just take off, take the kids, take more than half of our stuff with her. I would love to have our friends, you know the friends we have together, be divided. Some not return my calls anymore. I'd love for my kids to be broken and hurt. I would love all that. No guy ever says that, and yet, we flirt, we have lunches with women that we shouldn't have lunch with, we send text messages, we have dangerous conversations, small little touches that lead us to an affair. Look, men ruin, we ruin our lives one step at a time. So we look at Samson's story. There are three small steps that he took towards his big destruction. First step that he took was Samson taunted his enemy. Samson taunted his enemy. First in the story, we find him. He's with a prostitute, probably playing Parcheesi or Backgammon or something like that. And the story continues on. It says, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. And he lifted them to his shoulders, and he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. What has he done? Samson gets up in the middle of the night, and he taunts his enemy. He goes to the main entrance of Gaza, and he lifts those gates up puts them on his shoulders, and carries them away. Now, these gates, scholars say that these gates would have been about 700 pounds, so about 50 pounds less than what I do in the gym every, every week. So <laughs> these were not hollow core doors. These were iron gates, and he hoisted them up and carried them away. Why did he do that? He did that to let them know he messed with their security. Why? Because the gates were their security system. Kept people from coming out or coming in that they didn't want to come in, right? It was their security. Maybe they had walls, but that gate was the final stopping point. And Samson ripped them off and he said, when I'm in town, you're not safe. He taunted his enemy by destroying a symbol of their security. And as men, I think we do this. I think we often underestimate our enemy. But we don't know or we forget that his mission, Satan's mission, is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that's close to the heart of God. And that means us. The Bible describes him like a lion who is roaming around looking to destroy us. Not just wound you, not just hurt you, but to devour you. That's what he does. Now, let me ask, 
What family of animals does the lion come from? The cat family. So basically, if you're doing math, a cat is the equivalent to Satan. <laughs> Lions in the cat family, devil rolls around like a lion. Are you doing the math with me? Cats are evil. You don't want to mess with a cat. You don't want to taunt a cat. Drop the lights and play that video for me, guys. This is in Russian, so if you speak Russian, I have no idea if they're swearing, okay? It does not look like the cat likes that. Satan incarnate. No cats were harmed in the filming of this video. But I think that guy was. No, I didn't! Now watch this. This is my favorite part. Watch where the cat goes. Door is shut. She's like, yeah, come on and mess with me. Let's do this. He just gives up, walks away. All right. You don't want to taunt. You can kill it, guys. You can kill it. You don't want to taunt your enemy, especially a cat. But I think we taunt and we underestimate our enemy by putting ourselves in places of temptation too often, gentlemen. That's what we do. Some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to honor God. I'm, I'm going I'm to do this sexual purity thing because I learned a few months ago in the sex ed series, Aaron, that you did, that my bod belongs to God and I'm going to honor him with it. And so I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And yet, you've got a girlfriend and you keep on inviting her to come over and stay the night. Oh, we're just going to cuddle. It's going to be fine. We're just going to cuddle. Eh, wrong. You put yourself in a position. You are taunting your enemy. Others of you married men, you go out on business trips, and everybody decides to go out and get drinks, and so you go, and you start drinking. You have one drink. You have two drinks. You have three drinks. And next thing you know, you're a little loosey-goosey doing things you ought not be doing. What are you doing? You're taunting your enemy. Others of you, you have a financial plan to get out of debt, to leave a legacy for your children, to be able to send them to college. What are you doing walking around the car lot and constantly going shopping with money that you don't have? You're taunting your enemy. The problem is, is we're arrogant. We think we're standing firm, but the Bible says, look out. This is what it says. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Why? Because the moment that you think you are standing firm, you're not. You're taunting your enemy, and this is what Samson did. The second thing he did is he rationalized the same old sin. Previously, Samson was set to marry a Philistine woman, a woman from the enemies. He knew he shouldn't have been doing that. And now here he is again. If we read his story on, he's in love with the enemy. It says in verse 4, sometime later. So he's been with the prostitute. He's ripped the gates off of Gaza. And sometime later, sometime later, 
He fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. She's a Philistine. Samson is back in enemy territory and he sees this Philistine woman and he has to have her. And so he does what all guys do. He calls up and dedicates a song to her on the radio and shows up and says, hey there, Delilah. Oh, you had to have one groaner in there somewhere. But Samson rationalized the same old sin, right? Men, we do this too. We rationalize our sin. We say, it's no big deal. I'm just looking. It's not going to hurt anyone. It's no one else's business what I'm doing anyway. Because besides, no one knows. It's no big deal. Or if you say, if she would do this, then I would do this. Or I work hard. I deserve this, right? We rationalize our sin. And that's exactly what Samson did. It says, the rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. They bribe Delilah. They bribe him. They know Samson's pattern of destruction. They know he can't resist. Hey, we'll give you some money if you just find out what his secret is. And so the verses 6 through 14, I'm going to kind of summarize them here. Delilah goes to Samson, and she wants to know the secret of his great strength. And so Samson responds to her. He lies, but he responds to her. He says, well, the first thing that you do, if you bind me with seven fresh straps... Now, my, my Bible says a little something different. I decided to use this translation because my Bible says thongs. And uh, I don't know, the imagery that goes along with that, I just didn't want that. So you bind me with seven fresh flip-flops. You know what I'm saying? Like thongs. What were you guys thinking? So, that's, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> Read it. It's there. Strings. Seven fresh straps. And so she binds him. He falls asleep, and she binds him with seven fresh straps. And she shakes him and says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson gets up, shakes himself free, breaks the straps, and chases the Philistines off. And she comes back to him and says, Samson, you lied. What's the real secret to your strength? And he says, okay. He says, if you bind me with new ropes, I'll be just like any other man. My strength will have left me. So she puts him to sleep again and she binds him with ropes. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson wakes up and shakes himself and breaks free. Chases off the Philistines. She says, Samson, you lied again. Tell me, please. And Samson says, all right. He said, if you were to take my hair and you would put it into seven braids, pin it with this pen, I'll lose all my strength to be like any other normal man. He falls asleep and she braids his hair. Pins it up. She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. See, he didn't tell her the truth. He got close to it, though, right? He got close to the truth by telling her it had to do with his hair. And when she called out that the Philistines were upon him, he stood up, shook those braids out of his hair, and defeated the Philistines again. Delilah's upset because he's been lying. And then she says to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Look, ladies, if you've been feeling left out because all the men in this room are under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, let me go ahead and sock it to you for a second. 
just in case you've been feeling left out. Here you go. The next verse, it says, With such nagging, she prodded him day after day. Gentlemen, help me finish it. Until he was tired to death. She nagged him day after day until he was tired to die. I like that. Tired to death. Wore him out. Some of you ladies are upset, but if the shoe fits, get it for 40% off at least, ladies. That's what I'm asking. Samson was a strong man. Killed a 1,000 Philistines, killed a lion, lifted a 700-pound door. But you know what he wasn't strong enough to do? To lead a woman. He wasn't strong enough to lead the woman. Men, be strong in your business. Be strong in your career. Be strong in your hobbies. But be strong for your families, too. Know how to lead them. I didn't say be a dictator. No, 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 no. Leading is much different. You want to lead them, Jesus said, you must serve them. Be strong enough to lead your families. Lead them in righteousness. Lead them in honoring God in all what things. But Samson, he couldn't lead Delilah, so he gave in. And the verse says, he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. That means he didn't drink alcohol, didn't touch dead stuff, and didn't shave his hair. He said, if my head were shaved, and he's giving her the truth, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. But if you read this verse, it's almost as if Samson was remembering who he was. It's almost as if he was remembering his calling in the middle of being in enemy territory, laying his, lap, or his head in the lap of the enemy over and over and over again. And you would think in this moment, he's remembered who he is, he's remembered who God is, he's remembered his purpose, that he would stand up and walk away. But not Samson. Not Samson. Verses, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. I wonder how many of you men here believe that this would never happen to you, that you'd never lose it all because of your decisions, that you wouldn't end up like Samson in ruin. You're doing what you're doing. It seems everything's going well, but you're doing it in your own strength. You've forgotten to tap into God's strength. And Samson messed up his life one step at a time. He taunted the enemy. He rationalized his sin. And the third thing he did was he assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Like so many of us men, we assume our actions have no consequences. That we'll just keep on getting away with our sin. If you're brand new to Christianity or this is your first time in church and you don't understand that word sin, sin means doing anything that, that, is, that misses the mark of God's best for your life. Anything. Anything outside of his best for you. Anything outside of his plan for you is sin. You and I, we're all sinners. We do this regularly. 
And many of us assume that there will never be a consequence to our sin. Verse 20 says, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, just like so many of us, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Many of you men are here today and you've never been caught. Whatever it is you're doing secretly, you've never been caught. Or you say, she's okay with it. She knows about it. She knows I was this way before we got married. The truth is you won't be able to keep getting away with it. Whatever that sin is, your wife will eventually be done. Your kids will eventually stop believing you. They'll stop believing that you'll change. They'll stop believing that you won't do it again. Your boss will eventually fire you. There will eventually be a consequence to the sins that you are committing in your life. But men, we're silly. We think that just like last time, we're going to get up and we're going to shake ourselves and that it's all going to be okay. We've gone into enemy territory. We're now pursuing and courting the enemy woman. We're laying our head in her lap, and we've given up the secret to our success. We've given up our strength. <laughs> over and over again, we do this. feel like we're just going to be able to get up and shake ourselves. And that's what Samson thought, too. But eventually, guys, your sin will overtake you. It will overpower you. And it will snare you in its trap. Verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. How did a guy like this, with so much God-given potential, so much strength, end up in such bad shape? Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. So men, here's your moment of truth. I'm wondering if you'll be willing to be honest because Samson ruined his life one step at a time and I'm gonna ask you and I dare you, like I double dog dare you to be honest right now. You don't have to tell me, you don't have to say anything out loud, but would you be willing to be honest with yourself and answer this question, where are you stepping away from God? Where are you stepping away from God? Are you on step one or are you on step 56,249? One step away from ruin. Where are you on this journey? Some of you, you're on this journey walking away from God and you're like Samson. Your hair is still long, but inside you are so far away from him. Some of you would say, hey, I'm a, for example, some of you would say, I'm a Christ follower, and yet you spend no time reading your Bible, you spend no time in prayer, you spend no time in a grow group getting free from your past, you discard your opportunities to discover your God-given purpose, or you know what it is, and you're walking the opposite direction, you're not giving back and making a difference in any way, shape, or form. But you go to church on Sunday, you look good, you still got your long hair. But you're far from God on the inside. Guys, write this one down if you want. Write it down if you don't want. You're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are 
honest? Are you willing to be honest today? Where are you stepping away from God? The good news is, is that if you're stepping away from God, whether you're on step one or step 56,249, there's one thing I'm going to say that summarizes this whole message. You ready? Are you ready? It's two words. Most people will have an easy time remembering them. Turn around! In the church world, we call this repentance. That's what your Bible calls it. It means doing a 180. Turn and go the other direction. If you're on your way to Gaza, if you're on your way to a place that is outside of the blessing of God, if you're on your way, turn around. Say, Aaron, you're yelling, I'm sorry. It's not too late for you. You can turn around today in whatever way you are walking away from God, be it in attitudes, be it in relationships, be it in unforgiveness, no matter which way you have walked away. You can turn around today. And when you do, the beautiful thing is, is that God, in his unfailing love for you, is right there waiting for you. Some of you said, no, 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 Aaron, I've been walking away from God for 10 years. It doesn't matter to you. He has followed you every single step of the way. And he is waiting for you to turn around. And he's going to hug you and love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've injected into your body or what you've done to somebody else's body. It doesn't matter the words that you've said. He is waiting for you to turn around. Turn around. His love is ready to overwhelm you and embrace you and take you home. Turn around, Ben. Turn, turn around. Samson disobeyed God. He taunted the enemy. He rationalized his sin and he never thought that he would end up in a place of ruin. He was publicly humiliated because his hair was shaved off of him. This is the, the, the outward representation that God had left his life. And here's Samson, in enemy territory, in a prison, being shamed every day. And God put this one verse, this one verse that demonstrates the beauty of his grace for you and I. And it says this, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Some of you, your hair is going to begin to grow back today. John just took off his hat and held his hands high. So thank you, Lord, my hair is going back. Sorry, I couldn't. Such a sovereign moment. The pastor got all disrespectful and started laughing. It's not my fault. The bald guy raised his hands and praised Jesus. This verse is here to let us know how God, good God is. That which gave you strength will grow again in your life. If you'll just turn around. Samson, like all of us men, just because we're down doesn't mean that we're out. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times and yet rises again. Look, Satan loves to make strong men weak, but God is in the business of making weak men strong. Have the courage today to be honest and turn around. Let's pray. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whether you're a man or a woman in this place today, I would ask for your honesty. Would you say, Aaron, I've stepped away from God in some area of my life. I confess I need to turn around. Then I want to take advantage of God's grace right now and turn back to have his strength return to me to redeem the mess that I've made of my life and to restore my purpose. If that's you and you're here today, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Would you be willing to be honest? Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to say, look at you. But if that's you, if you've walked away from God in some way and you've taken those steps and you want to turn around, shoot your hand up to the sky right now and say, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Yeah. Father, I pray for every, every willing and honest heart in this place, God. It said, I've turned around, I've walked away. I've walked away in attitudes. I've walked away in my heart. I've started taking steps towards ruin in some way, shape, or form. Lord, and I know that it's wrong. Father, I pray for every person that is willing to confess that. As they turn back to you, Lord, restore them, redeem them. That means use the mess that they've made of whatever it is for your purpose and for your glory like you promised you would in your word. Restore their strength, God. Restore their purpose. Overwhelm them with your love as they turn to you right now. Lead them and guide them on their journey home. As we continue to pray, there's those of you in this room, you're not a Christ follower. You say, Aaron, my life is moving fast in the wrong direction. Look, I believe that God brought you here today so that you can hear the best news of your life. And that is that while you and I were yet sinners, lost, doing things our own way, Jesus died on the cross for us. Why is that important? Because you and I, our sin is terribly offensive to a holy and perfect God. The Bible says that the wages, the penalty, the result of sin in our life, doing things our own way, is eternal death. It's separation from God. But God said, I don't want that for my people. I don't want that for my children. He said, I'm going to send a sacrifice. I'm going to send someone who will live a perfect life, a life, somebody who can die in their place. And so he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, in the greatest act of love, came to this earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. Born of a virgin, he laid down his life and was tortured and brutally murdered upon a cross. In doing so, he paid the payment for the sins that you and I have committed that all the world for all of time have committed against God. Then he rose from the dead making it possible for us to be forgiven to be transformed to be made brand new the payment was made what do you have to do to accept that what do you have to do to receive that nothing Jesus paid it all Jesus did it all all you have to do is say Jesus come into my life Jesus be Lord of my life I've messed it up I've done this whole thing wrong Make me brand new, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. This is all you have to do is acknowledge him as Lord. The Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that 
you're given not just an entry into heaven, but a brand new life. A life more abundantly is what Jesus came to give you. And trust me, the life that he offers you is greater than anything you could ever have imagined that it was. If you're ready to take that step of faith and accept Jesus as Lord of your life today, I'm going to pray. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer, I'm going to count to three. I want you just to shoot your hand up. Nobody's looking around. We don't want to embarrass you. I just want to know that you're here. I want to celebrate with you. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to pray. Don't wait. This is your day. This is where everything changes. This is where you turn around. This is where you find God's grace. The trajectory of your entire life changes this moment. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands all over this room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. You Put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you now. And you can pray these words after me out loud or you can say them in your heart, but you need to mean them. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. You lived a perfect and sinless life. You died upon a cross and rose from the dead three days later. Jesus, I may not understand all of that stuff yet, but I understand you love me. I understand you did all this to make me brand new. So do that work. Make me new. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I need you, Jesus.